Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. We are your hosts. Adam, I had a uh, pretty funny and sort of embarrassing interaction with a, uh, a dear friend from high school. Uh, recently. That, that thought, you went uh, to high school with, or you have friends who are in high school right now? Uh, I went to high school with her. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, we've, we've, uh, stayed in touch, stayed friends. Um, a couple, of, a couple of good high school, high school pals that, uh, I've stayed in touch with over the years. And, um, she, uh, she heard the great John Hodgman mention our program. And I think there were like three, Judge John Hodgman episodes in a row, uh, like a month or two ago, that name checked the Greatest Generation, yeah, and uh, which was great. Like we definitely saw like a little uptick in our listenership, and uh, really appreciate Hodgman uh, uh, doing that for us. That was very kind of him. Something he didn't have to do, um, and uh, and. Uh, Dana is a, a listener to that show. <laughs> she was like, Ben Harrison, I know a guy with that name. <laughs> and uh, and so, like, I was, I can't remember what I was doing, but I was, like, having a, having some conversation with somebody that I kind of needed to be focused on. And a friend from high school who had never heard me say word one about Star Trek The Next Generation starts texting me, like, since when do you know anything about Star Trek, and how do you have a huge podcast about it? <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, what have you been doing since high school? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it was a bit of, it was a bit of, like, awkward uh high school reunion conversation but also just like i knew you for all four years of high school and we never talked about this and uh and so i had to like explain to her like why i kept that under my hat all those years mm-hmm. <laughs> and she said she loved the show but uh it was uh yeah it was it was a weird um i think since high like high school i you know, I liked TNG, but I didn't necessarily wear that on my sleeve because it, in our high school anyways, would have really limited my social opportunities. Not that I had many to begin with. <laughs> you don't with. say. Yeah, but like I, uh, you know, like I didn't want to only have one group of people I was allowed to hang out with. And uh, because like, you know, who knew if they would take me or leave me right yeah you want to you want to give yourself as many options as possible you don't want to put all your eggs in one social basket so sure so i just i just lest uh, that uh lest that basket get a wedgie (laughs) yeah exactly you're you're picking up what i'm putting down so so yeah like i i totally i have a vivid memory of making an active decision not to engage in a Babylon 5 conversation that was happening in the school bus on the way to freshman orientation. And, uh, and you know, I look back at that as like a pretty savvy decision from a kid that was otherwise pretty bad at, uh, at high school. You could um, have ended your high school career before it even began on that bus ride there, Ben. 
Yeah, and um, the 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 uh, the fact that friends from from that era are are now aware of of how deep the rabbit hole really went with me is uh, <laughs> you know it brings up a lot. There there are a lot of like feelings from high school that are so potent and present <laughs> when you're in high school. Yeah, and. Uh, like they came raging back. <laughs> My twenty-year high school reunion is coming up this year. Whoa! And this conversation has given me a lot to think about in terms <laughs> of how much I would like to disclose about what I do professionally. <laughs> because, well, like you- in in real terms, in real life, like the the effort and time and and amount of thought that I've given the show has been on on the massive upswing to yeah. the to the relative exclusion of of what I used to do professionally or and still do but you know what I mean like like the yeah. the pie graph is changing and it's changed right. over the last few months and so it would be a little bit uh dishonest to say that like all I do is video production Right. You know? And I mean, like, that's, I mean, like, we don't, we make a little bit of money off of this show. Um, yeah. And is, that's not to say that it's like, that's not a, that's not a financial uh, description. It is just in a, in a. Yeah. In it's a, how much time you spend yeah. every week. Like how many of your weekly cycles are devoted to yeah. one thing or another. And yeah, like, like uh, we basically make enough money to like make this make sense now, which mm-hmm. is a great plateau to have gotten to with it. But um, but that also kind of means it's part of our career, yeah, <laughs> in a very weird way. Yeah, yeah, like like this has to go on the resume now in, in a way that like <laughs> unpaid internship doesn't make it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, speaking of uh, doing things in the manner of an internship, Adam, do you want to uh, talk about today's episode? Let's do it, Ben. Let's talk about Season 6, Episode 6, True Q. There is a some planet in crisis... And the entrepreneur is loading up supplies, and what they also load up is a uh, a fetching young co-ed who got an internship in the medical... I guess she's like a biology student, and so she's she's kind of gone... Uh, gotten like the Dr. Crusher flagship internship. It's got to be a pretty sweet gig, right? Is this the Rhodes Scholarship of the 24th century, like getting to... Getting to do what Wesley got to do on The Entrepreneur? It seems like an academic-style catch-a-rising-star situation with her. Like, like she's really on the come-up. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. place to be when you're a, you're a gifted person is the Enterprise. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, they're, they're, like, excited to have her aboard and, like, the... I think... Um, I think the the doctor is like gonna is gonna really like you know put her through her paces like let her do like the NBC page thing where she gets to try all the jobs uh, to one extent or another and like she's she's a big enough deal as a as a 
as a prospect that she's like getting introduced to the captain the moment she comes aboard. Right. And like, I remember when I was growing up and I saw this episode, it was really, there's a little bit of whiplash here because like the last time you see Olivia Diabo was like as Fred Savage's sister in the wonder years. And (laughs) I also like had the super hots for her from that show. And but it said but like on Wonder Years, like she was sort of a hippie and like and like the pot smoking cool sis. I didn't realize she was in that. That's great. But but here they they've like they zip her into a uniform that like I I sort of imagine the costume department had was like right next to catering and catering <laughs> had a whole bunch of those like pink frosted cookies, <laughs> like the the super popular. Uh, like grandpa's pink frosted cookie yeah and they're like let's just is this the are, are these the like ones that are like animal shaped sometimes and they come in white and pink no i'm talking, talking about? about just the big sugar cookie with the pink frosting oh <laughs> and terrible tasting cookies adam and they're like uh and they're like that's olivia's costume for uh, <laughs> for the entire episode let's suit yeah. her up she's gonna look like a birthday cake whether she likes it or not. She Yeah, she doesn't have a costume change, does she? She does at the very, very end. But most of the time it's she's just wearing a a feather boa of cotton candy. <laughs> and the thing about uh about early twenties year old Olivia Diabo is like uh doesn't hurt. You know? No, yeah. Yeah. She can she can uh she can make anything look good. Yeah. Um, so, uh, she doesn't get, uh, instant hospitality. She gets, she gets Commander Riker treatment. Uh, he takes her down to, uh, down to her quarters and, uh, you know, shows her around a little bit. He, the second he leaves... I have to get back to Cargo Bay too. She, she turns around, you know, she does, like, I, I interpret this turnaround as like the moment the, the Bellman leaves your hotel room and you are like, where am I going to throw my pants right now? <laughs> I love that moment. Yeah. I'd, like, you've been traveling all day. You're in a hurry to make fists with your toes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make fists with your toes and let your underpants, uh, you know, dry out a bit yeah. after a sweaty, sweaty airplane seat. Yes, sir. Better than a shower and a hot cup of coffee. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, assuming... Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. So she turns around and... Uh, you don't have and, that uh, problem if you're wearing Mack Weldon underwear with the silver threads. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good point. They didn't even pay us for that one. <laughs> um, she turns around and uh, the place is full of puppies. Oh, no. It is a riot of puppies, Ben. Yeah, it's like... Um, if it was rats, this would be like about the Enterprise really uh, letting itself go and becoming kind of a kind of a slum in all but name but uh it's puppies so it's cute amanda gets and, right uh, up on the floor with them starts picking them up wrestling around a little bit and you get the so fuck else do you do with puppies you get so close to the floor in her apartment ben did you notice what it was made out of it's like carpeted with with like lego base station material like <laughs> you know those oh, yeah. those green squares that you build lego yeah. stuff on yeah, they're like 10 inch by 10 inch square. Yeah, like she's got red Lego tiles all across the floor. 
Yeah. Well, how do you think they uh, affix all those glass tables to uh, <laughs> to the area? Man, the future is awesome because when you're a kid, that's what they carpet your apartment with. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, she's a little dismayed by these puppies. Like, she wants to snuggle with them a bit, but she uh, she's not thrilled about the fact that they have appeared here. And uh, what she does is she starts kind of like making significant eye contact with them and one by one they uh they wink out of existence we change the shot up a little bit and we see uh the window to space slowly <laughs> slowly fill up with these puppies yeah it's actually it's, a really uh, sad scene super fucked up dude yeah yeah i mean they're just kind of struggling to to run but you can't yeah. run in space no yeah and they don't understand why they can't breathe yeah yeah, the little babies, they don't know why it's so cold out there. And they're scared, so it makes them pee a lot. <laughs> oh, so evil. <laughs> she just establishes herself as the, as the most sickening villain right from the jump. Yeah, yeah. Pretty dark, pretty fast. So then John Wick decides to go on a revenge <laughs> spree. <laughs> he hates people that fuck with dogs. I love John Wick. So we got all these dead puppies floating out the window. <laughs> and so the idea is Amanda is like getting a tour of the ship. She's going to see like her time there is about exploring all these different career paths. Um, because while she is incredibly smart uh, on like an academic scale, she's a little bit indecisive about like the sort of specialty she wants to get into uh, as a career. So she's using her time aboard the Enterprise to just sort of... Uh, experience all these different things and and the first place she ends up is in uh the shuttle bay yeah and where she meets Jordy. yeah i mean i think she did a little a little six bay stuff but um but yeah she's like she's helping Jordy um load some stuff up into a previa because this planet that they're doing their rescue mission on has a uh a, a an atmosphere that is no good for for transporter beams and um i guess the idea is that they pollute the shit out of their atmosphere and then like do something to it to like neutralize its effects or something is that the basic idea it felt like a real catheter cowboy kind of contemporary problem in the future sort of situation been cowboying for 25 years and that uh this planet is a fucked up ozone layer and why don't they just stop putting carbon into the atmosphere instead of uh, trying to deal with it after the fact if they were only more proactive they wouldn't be in this problem you get that right right you get that right it's a little didactic um but while See that—that that is a super efficient way of saying what I what took me four minutes to tell you. <laughs> uh, Thanks, Ben. Little podcast fluid there, huh? Yeah. Well, I I just got through talking a lot, so I'm very thirsty. Um, kind of jealous. I'm not really allowed to have podcast fluid right now. What? Uh, I'm on uh, I'm on anti-malarials uh, because of my trip and. Uh, I didn't even realize this while I was on the trip, so I may have completely fucked myself, but uh, it's it's just a low dose of 
antibiotic, and I guess mm-hmm. you're not supposed to drink while you're taking antibiotics. Oh. So, so I think I have to lay off the podcast fluid for like two weeks so that I can make sure I don't get one of the scariest illnesses. Whoa. Wow. Well, I mean, I'll drink enough for the both of us. How's that? Deal. <laughs> uh, while they're loading this Previa up, some, uh, some like, uh, barrels that are stacked in a not OSHA approved way on the, uh, on the second level of the cargo bay, uh, tumble off. And, uh, one of them nearly hits one Riker William T, but, uh, Amanda, the uh, the intern, manages to do some uh, some like <laughs> some she's got, some jazz hands. She's got like the um, I dream of genie thing a little bit the way the way she does hand movements when she's doing magic. Yeah, it's I I kind of don't like that as a directing choice, or I, maybe she made that choice. But like, I mean, Q will snap his fingers every so often, but he doesn't have to. But it makes it seem like she's really got to like wave her fingers to make magic happen. Anyways, she saves Commander Riker from being killed. It looks to me like the workplace barbecue. You know the one. <laughs> like every workplace has the shitty the shitty barbecue. Like it's not a Weber. It's like yeah, the, it's se- a... the Sears Kenmore <laughs> rusted out, like yeah. octagonal. Who knows if that uh, if that tank has any <laughs> propane in it at all? I mean, I'll like, tell you one thing for sure: the lighter isn't going to work. You're going to want to use a flicker stick on it. Yeah, the uh, it's not really anybody's job to maintain this barbecue, <laughs> and that's really the problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, and all that falls on Riker is the ash. <laughs> yeah. Amanda yeah. saves his ass big time. Yeah, I mean, this is like uh, this is the kind of thing that would have put Worf, uh, Worf in six bay with a, with a crushed L three. And uh, is this a practical? The the effect. I played it a bunch of times and I couldn't tell. It's a practical, it, right? I think it is. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not like a CG thing. It's so far away. Yeah. Like like that wide angle, you can hide a lot of shit. I wonder. Did they shoot it uh, in? They, did they shoot it on like an intervalometer and uh, and reverse it? Yeah, I was thinking because the because when the barbecue jets out of the way, that's the thing that that made me think it was a comp. It's weird that it falls, right? Like it's it's an unmotivated fall. Yeah, there should have been just somebody that like walks by it and bumps it, and it would have made all the sense in the world. I mean, they've got plenty well, of extras wandering around. We find out later that uh, that it was bumped, Ben. It, was this one one of the ones that was bumped? It was it was Q that bumped it. I thought he did the the warp thing, but not this. Oh, he did both. He mentions no. it later. He's like I uh I had to give you a, a more uh, I had to give you a test more befitting of your powers. Okay. Well, I wasn't paying a ton of attention because Q was in the episode, so I was mostly focusing on rolling my eyes without hurting them. You, I'll tell you what you were focused in on, Ben. <laughs> um, yeah, the, uh, so the next thing that happens is the, uh, the she goes down to engineering and the warp core goes critical. And it's actually, like, really fun. They, they have a lot of fun, like, showing the, the metal, you know, start to glow and bulge on yeah. the warp core. Like, they're 
making steam vent out from all over the place. And uh, Jordy is deprived from the ability to put down that door and then roll under it, though. He yeah, loves they, doing that. They start talking about doing the isolation door, and they're like, well, this is going so fast that that isolation door isn't going to do shit. Yeah. And uh, it's 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 well shot. Like, they do a real fun kind of, like, shot, reverse shot, push in on Data and Jordy as they're trying to trying to stop the problem. The warp core explode. And Amanda reaches her hands out and like stops the explosion and like pushes the plasma or whatever back into the warp core and it like restabilizes and Fritz Feiner has a great take. Like, it's just like, oh. Temperature in the reaction chamber has returned to normal. Weird. <laughs> Slightly, I mean, <laughs> the graduation in challenge here is a real hockey stick, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. We got puppies, we got barbecues, and then we have full warp core failure <laughs> 10 feet away. Yeah. <laughs> like, you would think there'd be something in between the barbecue and the warp core. But there's yeah. not. No, yeah. It's like uh, she, the Q really threw her into the deep end of the pool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they have a little McLaughlin group to discuss what the hell is going on with our new intern. You said she was adopted. Could she be an alien? You know, they're like, oh, well, she's adopted. Maybe, maybe there's something... Maybe it's something to do with that. Like any horror movie, it always starts with the kid who's adopted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, there's a, a fun reveal of Q where it, he, he's revealed voice first. Mm-hmm. Everything was normal, and then suddenly it's like the laws of physics went right out the window. And why shouldn't they? They're so inconvenient. And, uh, you know, the camera turns around, and down there at the other end of the, uh, of the big uh, conference table is uh, a very casual Q. Casual and yet dressed up in a slightly baggier than it should be Starfleet uniform. Yeah. You know, for a man who's been on the show as often as he's been, you'd think that he'd have a better tailored Starfleet uniform than he does. Yeah, I wonder how that works. I mean, do you think that they just like cast guys with roughly the same measurement whenever they want somebody to play a captain and they, uh, they're thinking it's going to be a back zip type of part so that Dude, they don't I'd- have to make one more of these? I tell you what, if the difference is $3,000 in budget, you bet your ass you do. Like, casting for people within 5'10 and 6 feet tall. Yeah. Like, 190 to 210 pounds. Like, I think, yeah. you're, I think you're definitely keeping it in that window. Yeah, so this is like the 44L that they made. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yep. and they'll put you in it even if you're like a 40L. Yeah. Or, or a straight 42, but... uh but yeah, that is a that's a big cost savings. Yeah, it's it's the Joseph A. Bank of uniforms, <laughs> totally disposable. But it's sort of not because it's it's got to be reused, right? It's like the yeah. uh, it's more it's it's less the Joseph A. Bank of uniforms. It's more the uh, the Friars Club jacket. All gentlemen are required to wear jackets in the dining room. You know, yeah, like uh, like they will they will issue you this jacket if you if you're dining at at Shea TNG tonight. But if you leave the restaurant with it, uh, you're not getting into the club. Take off your jacket. My jacket? Yes, the jacket. What do you say, ladies and gentlemen? 
You can't argue with that. Your credit card is going to be charged $3,000. <laughs> Plus a 20% gratuity. Right. My love is a Kiwi explains that Amanda is, in fact, uh, a, a Q, or at least part Q, which, uh, who knew that was even a possibility? Um, but he's here to uh, to assess what her deal is, and uh, if she proves to be full Q, he's going to uh, want to take her back to the Q continuum. This is a really fun idea, I think. Like, how are cues made? Where do they come from? Yeah. We're going to find out, right? Are they, like, are, are they, like, originally, like, humans and they've evolved to be super advanced? Or are they energy fleur-de-lis that take on human form so that it makes sense Some, when, they, when they're interacting with us? Like, what's the, what is, like, baseline cue? And that feels like it should be the B story, but instead it's a, what happened to Amanda's parents and why? <laughs> like, like it's a very pedestrian investigatory uh, B story instead of like, like, I feel like we're, we're hitting this drum over and over again. It is, it is a writer's inability to commit fully to answering a question like this. Like, In this context, I really forgive them, though, because the one thing about Q is that he's super annoying. So, like, I would imagine that any crew that encounters a being with the kind of powers that Q has would be intensely curious about what kind of a thing Q is and, like, how he came by these powers and what other Qs are like. But... Yeah, they mainly they just, just want to get rid of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that's true. They're writing to the truth of the universe that they've built, Adam. <laughs> yeah, you've convinced uh. me. <laughs> um, so yeah, like he goes, he goes down to Amanda's apartment to like you know check her teeth and um, and uh, see what uh, see what she's uh, you know just get to know her a little bit. Did you did you? Uh, this is the scene that I first noticed this in because there's so a kind of an intense shot of him like looking into her eyes where the back of her head is like the main part of the frame. Mm -hmm. That bun on top of her head is like the worst fake hair. It's like Halloween store level fake hair. You know, uh, this is a comment that might get me into trouble, Ben, but uh, I found her just so pretty that I never even looked at her hair. <laughs> well, somebody's so, got to like, do it. This is like like half of what we talk about on this show, Adam. I know, I know, and I like I know that the the hair cast is my first duty, and uh, and I failed. Ben, the, the first duty of every greatest gen host is to the hair, whether that's <laughs> scientific hair or <laughs> historical hair or personal hair. <laughs> it's true. It's the yeah. guiding principle on which Greatest Gen is based. <laughs> if you can't find it within yourself to make fun of some hair, then you don't deserve to wear that uniform. I don't deserve to talk into this microphone. <laughs> well put, Ben. You've really drill instructed me back into shape. All my corners are sharp now from here on out. Yeah, well, uh, if you fail again, I may have to unscrew your head and shit down your neck. 
Mm. Get on your knees, scumbag. Q gets tossed by Amanda. He's like he's trying to he's trying to kind of big dog her and she literally flings him across the room. Yeah, Q does this thing where he like tries to get her into his van. He's like <laughs> He's like, hey, girl, uh, I'm taking you back with me to the Q continuum. I know before you sort of were given the impression that, like, you had some free will in the matter, but, right. like, get in my van. Yeah. And Amanda, like... He doesn't even try the gambit of, like, I've got a broken arm and this, and this, uh, this I piece put of the furniture sofa. is, yeah. is, is too, too much for one man to handle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, he, and she, she force pushes him, like, into a, a thing... Holding a plant? What, yeah, what was that thing? A little corner table. Yeah. yeah. Let's go. Leave me alone! Pretty fun stunt. This is the kind of stunt that Marina Sirtis is usually getting asked to do. <laughs> uh, but perhaps her butt was uh, not in the mood that day. I think her wig is still in beta. They're not ready to subject it to yeah, a bunch she's... of, of ripcord stunts. They are back with this bad wig on uh, on Counselor Troy in this episode. You think she had some wig envy with uh, with Gates, and was like, "Why does she get all the hair?" <laughs> I don't know. She's got to be looking at uh, at Olivia Diabo, going like, "Ooh, there, but for the grace of wig <laughs> god, go I." I bet even Dorn has more wigs <laughs> than uh, than poor Counselor Troy. The thing about the hair on on Amanda is that she has very lovely hair. There's no reason for this fake-looking bun on top of it. Well, of course there is, Ben, and that reason is future. <laughs> Everybody has much more volume than, uh, than we do here in our pedestrian present time. Extensions are going to be more of a thing in the future. I can mm-hmm. feel it. Yeah, well, ev- everybody in our time that sees how much fun it is when a when a extension gets pulled out in a in a cat fight on a daytime talk show, you know, is just taking that and building it into our plans for the future. I am acute as a ball. You will assist us. I am acute as a ball. You are ball. There's sort of a lot of talking about Amanda, but not talking to her directly, mm. and this. Mm, and, right? Mm, mm. Like, <laughs> yeah, Adam. Like, uh, like people are having all sorts of meetings about her. Yeah, and she, for the most part, is kept in the dark. Kept well, in the dark about about what all this is about. Yeah, and like part of the topic of those meetings is Q intends to snuff her out if he discovers that she is like miscegenated with humans. Yeah. Yeah, the stakes are pretty high, and they decide not to tell her that the stakes are that high so that uh, her observation can be, I guess, more natural. (laughs) Yeah, and so she's got this weird path to walk of, like, she she knows that she's become the subject of Q's curiosity, and she knows that she has Q powers, but... Uh, she doesn't really know anything else, so she kind of makes this this decision to just kind of try to live her life the way she was living it before all this happened. And, and uh, you get you get a series of vignettes that are like angel versus devil, you know, mm-hmm. like like why are you making the gifted students who could 
perform surgery do like bio 101 homework and like it becomes very clear through these vignettes that like humanity humanity can't help but hold someone of her capabilities back you know right like like she does not want to wait for the medical samples to age naturally you know she wants to cue them into shape and then get on with uh her ability to fly outside of the ship right and not and not die in the process like there's fun to be had as a cue yeah there's fun to be had and it's also i mean and so much of being a human is like administration yeah, it's like uh, it's like winning the lottery and trying to like stay normal, you know. It's uh, right. Well put. It's not really it's not really possible to to like be the person you were before money stopped being a yeah. problem of yeah. any kind. And 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 so like you know, it's it's a noble impulse. Like I think we all understand the impulse she has, and I think we also all understand the mistakes she makes. Like when she does the biology project way too fast and uh, just gets the samples ready to go. Like what she missed is that there was something about the process that the doctor needed to learn from in order to have that be a, uh, an experiment worth doing. Yeah. And uh, I mean, like by the same token, she wants to, uh, she wants to jump commander Riker's bones and, uh, and she like, goes from zero to Romeo and Juliet with him. Like she, she like literally steals him out of a different date he's on and takes him to like a fantasy gazebo where she's in a, in a very rippable bodice and uh, he's in a top hat and she's like, let's get it on baby. And he's like, no, 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 no. I am into consent and you have already gone way too far with this. This whole scene is like, if you were to tell me that we're going to make an episode about Q finding another Q and then there being a whole bunch of like personality and magic tests associated with that. Mm -hmm. If you were to tell me that my favorite scene would be just like a desperate housewife style fuck gazebo scene, (laughs) like with with Riker in a Abraham Lincoln hat, I would have been like, no way, that's not going to be my favorite scene. It's my favorite scene. This is so great. Yeah, and this, what and what's great is like how it starts. Riker walks in a ten forward. Hello, ladies, Beverly and Troy, on his way to a date that happens. Hello, ladies. Yeah. Not just at the next table, but facing them, like yeah. <laughs> like as if they are the audience for the date. It's right. incredible. We know the kind of game that Riker is bringing to the table. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna mag on a chick and you're talking about like the universe is a. <laughs> is is reflected in her eyes and he yeah. wants to fall like that's expert mode macking you know like this is it's not that he has anything to be ashamed of but it is so utterly shameless like it, it's it's shameless in the way that he's not even thinking about how it could be perceived it's amazing it's incredible if, if i served on this ship i would make sure to be in 10 forward anytime Riker <laughs> was having a date and get a table as close to the action as possible you know, they probably they probably issue like a Gallagher concert, like the front front two or three rows get sheets of uh, painter's plastic to, to hold up <laughs> in case the fluids start flying before anybody expects. Oh, man. Sort of like another Riker mindfuck in progress, though, as like he resists. He resists as the cool teacher explaining to her about consent you can't make someone love you and then she like turns 
she turns the the chair back around on him (laughs) and goes and goes like what if i just program you to be more loving and then she she quickly realizes the emptiness in that in a way she learns riker's lesson by hijacking riker's mind she realizes that yes consent does feel better yeah consent is the sexiest yeah and yeah uh, yeah i mean not before she has kind of like i mean she's flipped this bit in his brain and he has um you know it like autonomously started like like kissing all over her neck and like grabbing at her chest and stuff it's 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 like it was really weird because i think that they also really haven't established like how old this character is. And I was interpreting her as like a younger girl than, than, uh, I guess she must be, but I definitely was like, I definitely had like major throwback vibes to some of the weird stuff with Wesley back in the day where they like, they're kind of intentionally vague about how young a young character is so that, uh, uh, and and that causes a lot of problems in the kind of implications that get made about what that character is up to with the other crewmen. Frakes has this switch as an actor, though, which is like where he's where he's under mental duress or he's being hypnotized. Like he goes slightly cross-eyed and robotic. <laughs> that I just love. Like that switch gets hit in the scene, and yeah. and you can tell that he is not himself. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. She sends him back to ten forward, and she has like a just kind of. What do you think Riker tells his date after that? (laughs) Do you think he continued the date? He's like, uh, I'll be on holodeck four. (laughs) Maybe we can pick this up next weekend. (laughs) Holodeck four is isn't even a holodeck, really. It's code for the shower with the sprayers on all the walls. Like, more sprayers than you think are necessary. Yeah. Yeah, that can be really dicey when you uh, when you turn it on for the first time if you've never done it before. Cause yeah. That water can get everywhere if you don't know what you're doing. You got to keep that door closed. Just kept talking in one long, incredibly unbroken sentence, moving from topic to topic so that no one had the chance to interrupt. It was really quite hypnotic, hypnotic, hypnotic. Picard and Q... Are talking about the situation, and Q is like, "Yeah, no, I have to, I have to kill her if uh, if she doesn't come back to the continuum." And he's like, "Is that what you guys did to her parents? Because it's come out that her parents were, in fact, kind of expat Qs who were living on Earth in Kansas, of all places. They're like, we're giving up our uh, our stupendous power and our uh, ability to go anywhere in the universe to." playhouse in kansas as uh, as humans and um and what q reveals is that they were given dispensation to do that by uh the fact that they like agreed never to use their powers right yeah they said uh look we're just gonna we're just gonna lay back in the cut you'll never even know we're here uh, in exchange for being left alone. By well, the I guess continuum. they weren't—they weren't given dispensation, but the, that's what they were suggesting: is like leave us alone, we'll stop doing Q shit. And the, what, like, the reason they died was that the Q considered that a threat for whatever reason. So they sort of like they—they they sort of got reverse uxbridged. Like they were 
they were targeted by a stupendous power and were the only ones killed. It's like a it was like a tornado that touched down just on their house. Could you imagine a universe in which you are given the omnipotence of Q powers? You decide to forsake them. You then decide to live in Kansas. That's what I'm saying, man. What the fuck? Also, These people are crazy. Also, the fact that the Q, who are, uh, you know, unendingly powerful, they're literally omnipotent. Uh, they they missed a spot when they decided <laughs> to kill the Qs living on Earth. Like, yeah. how did they yeah. not know that there was a third Q? Yeah. Yeah. If you love Kansas so much, why don't you make your own Kansas? Right. <laughs> yeah, you could you could literally make all the real dolls you want to uh Rashan around your 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 fake Kansas. Just it just doesn't doesn't add up, man. It's uh it's really bizarre. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Well, the deal is made that she can she can decide what her fate is. Like she either goes with Q and does continuum or he kills her or she pretends to be human for the rest of her life on the deal that she not use any of her supernatural abilities. Your parents were given this choice and they were unable to resist the temptation of using their power. And like she has made the deal to, to be human for the rest of her life, like right as the situation on the planet that they're rescuing goes all pear-shaped and there's like a a reactor that's going to that's going to blow up and like Jordy and Riker are going to be killed millions of people are going to be killed by this thing going nuclear and uh and it's just too much of a temptation for her she she stops the reaction I don't know what's happening but the reaction is stabilizing on its own. She uh, she cleans up the whole planet's atmosphere in one fell swoop. I'm reading a massive energy fluctuation in the planet's atmosphere. It's a great effect like it cuts to the uh cuts to the the view screen and the uh, the brown dirty atmosphere is replaced by you know green mountains and crystal blue oceans. Yeah, problem solved. <laughs> it's the hockey stick going up even steeper like this yeah. is a planet-wide warp core breach that she solved it's also kind of like the dilemma that Riker faced when he got Q powers it's like um, yeah like I kind of feel like we saw this episode a bit right um, I mean this is like obviously brings a few original ideas to it but <laughs> maybe none of them are that good <laughs> You know, what's interesting is that they don't even refer to that at all. Like, who best, who could best counsel Amanda with this problem? Right. It's Riker. It's totally And instead Riker. they stick Beverly on her as the counselor figure yeah. the whole time. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought that there was a lot of good Beverly stuff in this episode. Like, they gave, they gave Beverly more and better stuff to do than she usually gets. Like, like good character development, good you know, grappling with the issues, but yeah, like it, it, uh, could have, and perhaps should have been Riker, uh, once the, the Q thing was revealed. Yeah. That would have been neat. That would have been a nice callback, but instead they're calling back the entire time to encounter at Farpoint, you know, like, like Q is saying, like the jury is still out reminding us that the entire premise of this show is that Q is 
observing the ship and seeing if he thinks humanity deserves to continue existing. Um, which is like, yeah, yeah. Remind us of that terrible <laughs> episode guys. Yeah. They, uh, they missed the target on the reference. I think. Yeah. So Amanda in using her Q powers has, has made the decision. She's choosing the gifted school. She has a little round the horn on the bridge saying her goodbyes and then she goes off to wherever q took vash mm-hmm. like did you think it was weird that picard never asked about her <laughs> this is the first time you've se- he's seen q since the whole vash incident yeah as long as we're as long as we're digging up old episodes what's up with vash yeah like why does q keep coming onto the ship and stealing the girls <laughs> it's a little problematic <laughs> yeah the uh the last shot of this episode is um, is Crusher looking real bummed out. And, Why do you uh, think she's so bummed? I don't know. I mean, I guess she like saw a lot of potential in that girl. I mean, it's it's, it's also weird because like like one of the big character things that Crusher goes into is like it's like it's basically like what would you buy first if you won the lotto mm-hmm. and. Uh, Amanda is really curious why Crusher's isn't necessarily bring back Jack. Yeah. And um, I'm curious why they didn't spend any time on Amanda, like, lobbying to grant one wish to Dr. Crusher for helping her, you know, through the through the transition or whatever, you know. Well, because Riker explicitly did that uh, when it was his turn to be Q. He was in wish-granting mode back then. Yeah. So I see how they couldn't exactly retread that, but your point is still super strong, which is like, that was a larger character moment than I think than I think we were meant to realize at that point. To me, yeah. it read as, Beverly has moved on. Yeah. And to bring back Jack Crusher would only mean to somehow relearn to love him again or or turn one turn on whatever thing in her she's had to set aside you know in the aftermath of his death like she can't she can't have him back anymore and i think if he came back it would be super fucked up like yeah. you like that wound has healed and it's over and that's why she chooses to be if granted the wish the person who's able to cure sick people i thought that you know and just a in just a single question and a single answer, I think that was a pretty big character leap that we're given there. Totally. And that's sort of what I was thinking in that last shot of her is like, like she, you know, it's a wordless shot, but I kind of feel like her character is, is like doing the, doing the list of things that were possible just then in her head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also think that she really found Amanda to be a Wesley proxy, you know? Yeah. Super gifted, uh, really ambitious and fun to be around the same age-ish, you know? Like, if she can't have Wesley, you know, she could be sort of a a mother figure to another gifted child. Like, I think there was an itch to be scratched there, too. And I Mm -hmm. think she's really going to miss that opportunity to be that for someone else. Because I don't... Like, for all of the things that, that Beverly Crusher's good at, I don't think she really has a lot of fulfilling relationships with people, you know? I don't think she has very many friends. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean the 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 captain is is kind of her friend, but it's a very it's a very arm's length relationship. So it, yeah, I mean this was this was an episode where we really get to see her talk about feelings and connect with somebody in a way that is pretty unusual. Yeah, yeah. I thought this episode had a really interesting magic trick involving John Delancey's character and how he plays Q, which is, you mentioned it before, he gets really in Amanda's face, he gets really touchy with her, Yeah, he's, he's sort of orbiting her in a very close way, and there is a hostility in him that is almost totally non-sexual, and I yeah. thought that was fascinating, like like how that was done, especially because like she is very attractive and mm-hmm. he is not an unattractive man. And like, and it could so easily, I feel like be skeevy, mm-hmm. but it's neither violent nor sexual. It's, it's almost purely scientific in a way that like, I don't know how you do that. There's something about his performance and her performance off of it that is like, you know, even in a jokey way, I didn't think to go there. And we go, we go sexual places with the jokes all the time. Like, <laughs> and like there, there was no handhold, there was no toehold there for us to make a joke out of. Even like, I thought that was really great and interesting work. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm down to, I'm down with that assessment. Um, yeah, did you like the episode, Adam? Yeah, I really did. Um, I I really like Q, and I really like John Delante's performance as Q, and I'm still going to ride for that guy. Like, I know it's going to get bad. It's gotten bad before. It will get bad again. But um, <laughs> I thought this this may be one of the high watermarks for Q episodes. My Solid. dislike of Q has never been based on the actual character or John Delancey's portrayal, both of which I think are pretty fun. Yeah. It's that I think it kind of undermines the whole premise of the series in a way that I uh, I think is kind of tragic. Yeah. I mean, in the same way that Amanda is faced with the conflict of using her powers or not, like the show has that choice as well <laughs> in using the character or not. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I think on balance, I kind of like the episode too. Um, I think uh, especially for the great... Uh, great achievements it has in not putting the female characters in in uh, terracotta pots the entire time. Yeah, um, and uh, for having some like legitimately interesting sci-fi questions that it raises. Um, yeah, it's a it's a good one. I didn't wind up being as uh, as sprung on on Amanda as I remembered being. Oh, yeah, man. There were times, dude, that uh, that I forgot a little bit about uh, Anton Rowe. <laughs> Adam, don't say that. I know, I know. I I feel bad even saying it. But uh, this is the sort of show that will never bring Amanda back, and I know we're gonna see Anton Rowe a few more times here. So yeah, I'll be able to rekindle my infatuation with her shortly. Good. Um... Speaking of things to rekindle. Ben. Yeah. Are there any priority one messages waiting to be uh, lit? 
I don't know. You're you're asking whether you think we have Plavim and Raz business to attend to or not? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> our our new segment called uh Plavim Messages Raz. <laughs> uh let's uh let's check it out. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Uh, ben, the first priority one message is from a personal nature. It is from Amity. It is for John. It goes like this. Happy anniversary. I've loved sharing this first year of marriage with you. Adam and Ben. Oh, wow. I didn't realize we were in a, uh, a quad marriage arrangement yeah. here. It, it seems like we are, though. Man. Yeah. That is... How are you going to tell your wife, Ben? <laughs> That's an interesting thing to think about, like the way uh, the way you kind of like keep track of the passage of time. If, if this if this podcast factors into that, and it's meant to be one of the most romantic parts of your life, that could be problematic. Wow. Well, I uh, I for one uh, am am happily married to as many people as possible. So I feel like we haven't been getting the fringe group sex benefits off of this quad uh, that we that we deserve adam <laughs> yeah i expected uh i expected far more shag carpet and uh and fish bowls full of key rings so <laughs> yeah isn't isn't that sort of thing yeah um well we have another uh priority one message here it is from tina fay and it is to j balls hmm <laughs> You, my dear J-Balls, are an amazing person. And listening to you laugh in the shower to this podcast and hearing your observations, 40-year-old Ensign and Bueller-esque running, uh, echoed by two like minds, has been a lot of fun for me. Happy birthday, and thank you, Ben and Adam, for helping the person who means the most to me just be a little happier twice a week. Oh, that's great. That is great. Uh, I didn't realize that Tina Fey, the great comedian, uh, was a was a viewer. But uh, that's great news for us, right? Because we're always trying to wait, work our way into a writer's room. Absolutely. I don't know that you could pick a better writer's room than a Tina Fey writer's room. And how about that, Ben? We got uh, got people in the shower shampooing their crotches to our voices. <laughs> Pretty amazing yeah. when you think about it. Yeah, and I do, fairly often. There's nothing that uh, gets a butt cleaner than uh, if you're laughing while scrubbing it. Yeah, really, so. really opens things up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> really accommodates the loofah. <laughs> <laughs> happy anniversary to John and Amity, and uh, happy showering over there for... Uh, for Jay Balls. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you'd like to send a priority one message, it's a uh, hundred bucks for a personal message and 200 for a commercial message. We're able to keep this show going because people keep uh, keep doing this, and um, we really appreciate it. So go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron if you'd like to send one. Thanks, guys. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. 
But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Do you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! I did. Um... The uh, the scene where the uh, the top of the Weber nearly mm-hmm. takes out Riker, um, 
there is there are a couple like fun um, background people in it, uh, but there's also a foreground guy that like is. I just feel like they didn't give him any direction. They're like I, I spotted this guy too. There's like uh there's an accident and you're gonna rush in and that was as much as they gave him. So he knew that like just for you know camera blocking he couldn't he couldn't rush all the way in and be just in front of the uh the body of Riker because he would obscure the thing we want to see in the scene. So he just stops short and uh <laughs> and holds himself there. And uh I got a, a nice big laugh out of that. You know, sometimes you'll play a video game and the video game has got like you running around with a gun or something, but you're on like a squad of computer played characters mm-hmm. and those characters are running around into things and they're helping you out. This guy's this guy's performance read to me as like a computer performed character where he's like sort of <laughs> running in place, yeah. not doing anything. Yeah. It was super bizarre. Was, like uh... he's just sort of like, he's sort of heaving from stress. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely got the like the loop of movement that they yeah. give a character to show that they're not frozen. It's not a glitch in the game, but he's not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh so that's my uh my Shimoda. How about yourself? Do you have a drunk Shimoda? Uh I'm giving my Shimoda to Riker, but not for the scene you may think. They're about halfway through uh and if you're following along at home, this is it. Minute 26 at 24 seconds. Riker has walked into the science lab where Amanda is doing science with Q. <laughs> and he basically falls in the door. Like, like he's, he's, you know, you don't see him do this, but he's out in the corridor. He's on his way to the science lab. The door opens and he walks in. But his take is, is like, it's like he trips over a piece of carpet or he like, he sort of spills into the room. I kind of interpreted it as he, he, you know, like when you want to make somebody think you were really in a hurry to get to where they are, but you weren't actually, you kind of, you kind of like put it on a little bit, right? Right. As you come through the door, like you might breathe a little heavier than is strictly speaking necessary. It's sort of the opposite of guy who's come in late to work, but is acting like he's been there the whole time. Like that's, that's sort of in the same league. Yeah. Yeah. That might be it. (laughs) But why does Riker need to do that? I don't know. I feel like uh, I, I feel like maybe. I mean, the, Riker the one... knows that they're trying to get rid of Q, but he's worried that getting rid of Q might also mean getting rid of this fetching young lass, right? They haven't had their their run in that would turn Riker off in the biggest way possible yet. So he probably yeah. still thinks of her as like a prospect, right? I don't know. I never got the feeling that Riker was interested in her. I didn't either, but. Um, you, you know, like he's got some dates lined up, so he's not he's not putting the moves on prematurely. There's one thing about Riker is he's never premature. What do you think dating is like in Ten Forward? Like you can order anything. There's probably so much judgment placed on what you order, right? If you could order <laughs> anything at the restaurant, yeah. God, I would be paralyzed with that choice. <laughs> It's 40 Cheesecake Factory menus, like, stacked on top of each other. It's too much. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a challenge, man. Um, 
It made me think too, like the one time SNL made fun of Star Trek The Next Generation, they had Farley play Riker. Yeah. And the only thing Farley did as Riker was walk around like that, like leading with yeah, his head like a bull. And it made exactly... me think like, was this the episode that Farley watched to get that? <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a pretty remarkable thing. I'm always trying to figure out a way to get clips from that into our show. And... uh it's it's from a weird era of SNL where like like the like comedic premises of sketches really didn't need to be anything. Yeah, yeah. It's like like the there is a model of the of the Enterprise with the love boat like uh-huh. glued very obviously <laughs> onto the top of it and yeah. that's about as far as they got with the idea for the sketch. Right. <laughs> And yet, if you were to ask me what is your favorite era of the show, like that, that has to be my answer. Like many people's least favorite era of SNL is my favorite because that was the, that was the time that was the most important to me. Like I was the most impressionable. Yeah. That that high school era SNL is, I think Lauren Michaels has said this before. Like that is everyone's everyone's that, favorite. That's that's the imprinting time that the show does. Mm-hmm. It's during that time in your life. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, now I'm too old to ever be able to stay up late enough for it. Dude, uh, except for this Saturday when they played it live on every coast. Oh, except you had to watch it live East Coast time. I, I got uh, to watch it at 8.30, Ben. It was a delight. Oh, man, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Lucky lucky sucker. What do well, we have coming up on the next episode, Ben? The next episode is season six, episode seven, Rascals. Ugh. A bizarre Ugh. transporter mishap transforms Picard and three other staff members into children just as Ferengis invade and disable the ship. So maybe the two worst possible things in one episode. <laughs> Do you remember this episode, Adam? I hate this episode so much. I hate what they do to Roe here. I'm vetoing the episode, Ben. <laughs> Wait. Wait a second. Let's not be rash, Adam, because the, the, it's not great for Roe, but there is also... Uh, they stick the, a kid in Guinan's hat. That's, <laughs> that's going to that's gonna cause a developmental neck injury. <laughs> can't do that. It's too much hat. Are you ser- are you really seriously trying to veto right now? Yeah, yeah, I am. Okay, let me think about this. What do you mean? Why are you trying to ask me if I'm really seriously trying to do that? I do not joke around when it comes to the vetoes, Ben. I know you don't, but I'm just thinking about like you were unprepared for this, weren't you? I I'm never prepared when you try and veto because <laughs> you veto I feel like crazy last- things. Like I think that this is. This the last couple vetoes I've had have been counter vetoes, so I realize this might this might be a real surprise to you. I don't know what to do with this, man. I usually shoot your bullet out of the air. <laughs> like, like there was there, there were a bunch of things before this that would have been like vetoes that we could have talked about, but I don't think that this is I don't think this is the one. I I kind of like this episode. I mean, it's like as close as the the show ever gets to somebody like being a miniature person walking around on a desk next to a giant stapler. You know, like that's always that's always fun. 
There's I fish feel out like, of water stuff with that. I feel like I'm Picard right now with this. Why are there fucking kids on the fucking starship? Like, <laughs> I want to do real adult sci-fi shit. I'm tired of the kids in season six. Why are there so many kids in season six, Ben? <laughs> Too many well, kids. I don't know, man. I, I Like, there's a lot to like about this season. Um, to be to be tbh ben yeah i dislike this episode so much that i don't know that i've seen it in a very 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 long time so well then you've made my decision for me adam counter veto i think you should give it a second chance and i think that that second chance should come at the cost of you ruining a, another season for i really i really hate that i talked to you into the counter veto i wish i hadn't done that <laughs> that's some bullshit right there uh well uh that will be our our next step adam um sorry to say buddy but uh, i hope you'll i hope you'll come to it with an open mind and not be a, a dick about the whole thing this is some real fucking george lucasing of our favorite characters right now <laughs> oh you really yeah. like you really like Guinan and want to know about her origin story no yeah. we're just gonna show her as a kid yeah, fun fact: uh, they uh, nobody has a dustbuster in this episode. It's all uh, it's all hand radios. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I'm dreading this. I'm dreading this more than more than uh, more than any episode. More than the fucking Robin Hood episode. <laughs> what were the other ones that we vetoed? Like, I feel like we should play a montage of all our vetoes. <laughs> like all those terrible. Dress em ups in the holodeck episodes. This is yeah. the one I hate more than those. Well, uh, fucking rascals. <laughs> sorry, pal. Uh, that will be our next episode. Um, one thing we don't hate, Adam, is uh, all of the uh, great support we get from our viewers on the internet. Uh, people go to the uh, iTunes uh, podcast store and they uh, they put in five-star reviews for us which uh you know raises our profile and helps new people find the show they uh they tell their friends to to give it a whiz you know they post on on twitter using the hashtag greatest gen they go to our reddit and facebook pages and uh and engage and uh, joke around with us it's it's just a lot of fun they drink their beverages out of drunk shimoda glasses yeah I, I, uh, I gave my, my wife a, uh, an iced coffee in one of our drunk Shimoda glasses recently, and she's like, I have never used one of these. <laughs> Did she say that in a way that was like she would never use one of those, or, or just as a matter of factly? Like, like, we don't have a million glasses in our cupboard, and sometimes the other ones are dirty. Like, she has been avoiding using them. <laughs> she, she drank the coffee, but she... Uh, yeah, the implication she was She doesn't like, want to be seen with one of those glasses. I, I would never voluntarily grab one of these. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, if, you'd, uh, if you'd like to get in touch uh, about anything you heard on the show, write us at drunkshimoda at gmail.com. Uh, we do our best to get to all those. It's, uh, it's gotten to a point lately where, like... It may be more than we can handle to write back to every single one of them, but uh, we do read them all. So uh, uh, don't hesitate to write in if you want us to know about something. Yeah, um, that has been particularly guilt-making, especially uh, while you were gone. I should have uh, should have dedicated myself more to that. Um, well, there's a further reason to punish you with a, an episode 
of uh, of the show that you really hate, Adam. Um, uh, Rascals is the is the belt that I'm whipping my own back with. Yeah. Uh, to repent for yeah. for my lack of email replies. <laughs> What's that? Uh, you're in like the Opus Dei equivalent yeah. of Trek fans. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we should thank Dark Materia for our theme music. Aren't you glad you hung around for the credits, fair viewer? <laughs> so you could get that cool Opus yeah. Dei joke. <laughs> uh, Ed Bergusia for a lot of stuff, other music you hear on the show. And with that, we will be... Back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek <laughs> The Next Generation and an episode of Greatest Generation that's jumping on the bed. Great. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.